is our food and faith night. And it's, for some of you, you think, wow, that's really ambiguous. But I like food, so I think I'm going to come. So welcome. Uh, tonight we're going to talk about food and how, how our faith should shape the way that we, we interact with uh, food choices. And you're going to hear from a lot of different perspectives. We're going to have a panel. I'm going to say some words. Um, but, but one of the ways I wanted to start off with tonight is by bringing up uh, Wyatt Bostick. So if Wyatt, you want to come on up, we'll give him a hand. <clears throat> Wyatt is a part of, of Redemption Tempe here, and uh, he's also a part of Meal Match. And so we wanted to start, tonight we're going we're, we're gonna to talk a lot about like nutrition and food choices, but I think it would be good if we started tonight off kind of doing a small thing that we can do to contribute to some of those who don't have the luxury of, of asking what kind of food that they should have, but who are trying to find any food at all. So I'm going to have Wyatt explain Meal Match, and then we're going to actually sort of go through a little exercise. To, we're going to do the Meal Match here. So here you go, Wyatt, and if you want to lead us through it, that'd be great. All righty. Thank you, Jim. Uh, like Jim said, my name's Wyatt. I've been a part of Redemption and Praxis uh, now for about six or seven years, and really excited to see everything the church is doing to get involved. First Wednesdays, things like this, and getting some behind uh, a meal match like they are. And so, one of the things that we want to do is everyone here, we're going to have the chance to go out and have a meal with the food trucks, all the food that's going to be provided by uh, the local farms. And we want to bless those because we are being best with that food. Uh, so on your phone tonight, if you go to mealmatch.org. Uh, so actually do this now. We're going <laughs> to do it now. Uh, it's going to pop up. And on the website, there's going to be a big blue meal match button. Uh, and if you press that, it's going to want to locate you, find that you're actually here at the event tonight. And as soon as you do that, it's going to send a meal to one of our feeding projects, either here in the state or anywhere around the world. So you can see exactly where that meal went. Uh, the same process you can do with restaurants all over Tempe, uh, all over the East Valley. Uh, so if you go on the app uh, right there, it shows exactly where the restaurants are. Uh, the restaurants that we partner with in Tempe, Chandler, Gilbert, all over the Phoenix area. That when you go eat there, they will match your meal and make sure somebody else gets to eat too. Uh, so if you're having any questions or trouble with the app, we're going to be out there at the tables uh, here in a little bit. Uh, come introduce yourselves. Introduce yourself, sorry. Uh, say hello. Uh, we'd love to meet you and show you exactly what Meal Match is all about. So tonight we've sort of turned Redemption Tempe into a little restaurant. So you can actually practice doing it. So from now on, the first Wednesdays that we're going to do here, if you hit that little Meal Match button, um, Redemption Tempe is going to uh, match a meal and, and, and uh, provide a meal for someone somewhere else. So if you know how to operate your smartphone, go ahead and do that now. Um, if, if, you're, if you're one of the cool people who are reverting back to the flip phone because you're really cool, uh, don't worry about it. So, And also, we'll have a list for you uh, with flip phones or anything like that. We have a list of participating restaurants at the table uh, that you can see. We'll have other options available very, very soon. So thanks. He's much more gracious than I am. Give him a hand. <clears throat> well, let me start the night off in prayer. God, we thank you. Uh, that tonight we do have um, the opportunity to think about food. Um, we receive it as a gift from you. We thank you for all of the ways in which you have provided for us 
We thank you for your love for us, for your care for us. And we remember those uh, this evening who, um, who don't have food, and we pray that you would provide for them. Uh, we pray that uh, you would be present with them. And we pray that you would be present with us tonight and that you would shape the ways in which we think about this important topic. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. <clears throat> so we're going to talk food and faith. I'm going to give a little 10-minute little talk. Uh, 10 minutes probably means 12 to 13 for me, but... Um, I'm going to give a 10-minute talk, and then we're going to have the panel, and then we're going to go feast with some food trucks out there. Uh, there are We've put together a little mini farmer's market so you can buy fresh produce, a lot of it grown by, by refugees who've come here and who are making a living as farmers. Um, so, so in starting the night and, 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 and giving the, the talk to introduce the night, I know what a lot of you are thinking. You're thinking... Why did they have the 289-pound pastor? And it's 289, not 290. 289-pound pastor talk about food. And it's not because they looked around the room and said, well, that guy probably has the most experience with eating, so we'll put him up there. <clears throat> but it's because this topic comes from a, a deep place of repentance for me, a place of struggle, a place where I am not coming to you as the expert, but I am coming to you as one who, who wants to glorify God in my approach to food and is really trying to figure out what that looks like. Um, it was probably about, it was, let's see, August. Do you guys remember the Chick-fil-A controversy? The big Chick-fil-A, Chick-fil-A gate, as I like to call it. Uh, where the, the CEO of Chick-fil-A said some things about homosexuality, and then the whole world divided into two camps. Those who would boycott Chick-fil-A, and those who, and as political activists, would stuff their face with fried chicken. And that's kind of the way the world broke down. And I was uncomfortable with it. Because on one hand, I, I, I probably agree, I agreed with the orthodox biblical teaching on sexuality, but I did not like the harsh discourse that was happening uh, and, and that Christians were having oftentimes toward the gay community. And so what that led me to is it led me to take a day to fast and to pray and to ask God how he wanted me to respond in the midst of this. So I went down to a part of Phoenix where there's a large uh, gay community and I just prayed there and prayed that God would give me a love for the people in the community and would show me how I should respond in a loving way like Jesus. And I was surprised by what came out of that day. I was surprised because I felt like God was, was leading me to take the log out of my own eye. I have some, some gay friends, and they've, they've posted on Facebook uh, these little pictures, which, which will have like a picture of a, like a fat preacher guy and then a gay person uh, and like a good-looking gay person, and then they would say, they would say something like, how are you to tell us how we should use our body? You've probably seen these before. And I take that seriously. I said, you know what? I'm going to receive that, and I'm going to repent. I'm going to repent for not stewarding my body well, for my physical health well, for not being thoughtful about my approach to food. 
And so I've been in a process of, of learning about food, of learning what the Bible has to say about food, uh, of, of losing some weight here and there, and then having to prepare for a talk like this and getting nervous and gaining a little bit of it back. Um, and, and, you know, the, the process of coming to learn how vegetables are gifts from God and really sticking my hands in the dirt and learning how to garden. But ultimately, tonight, I don't come to you as an expert. We'll bring some of those up here. But I come to you as someone uh, who has been humbled by God and who wants to struggle with you in this topic. So in my, in my little piece here, I'm going to basically answer two questions. First of all, why does it matter that we talk about food? And second, how does Jesus transform our approach to food? So let's start with why does it matter? Now, to some of us, it matters a lot because it's very popular right now to think about food and to be into food. Uh, You just look at what's on TV. Look at Netflix. You can find a list of documentaries like Food Inc. and Farmageddon and what else? Throw some out there. Yeah, you've watched them, right? We've all seen them that critique the industrial food system. Um, And so there's a lot out there. Or you can turn on TV and you can see cooking shows. At almost any hour of the day, you can see a show where some chef is yelling at some person who just wants to make a quesadilla or something. And they're just uh, berating them. Um, because of, because of uh, the, this popularity of food, um, our vocabulary is growing. I bet that many people in this room... Um, at least know what the word vegan means and gluten-free and paleo and Atkins. And, and, you know, there's probably a good handful of people here who don't even eat anything. They just juice stuff. (laughs) You just just have juice and you throw some cayenne pepper in it and that's about it. Um, So our vocabulary seems to be growing and, and, and food is very popular. And I think in many ways it's a good thing some stuff needs to be critiqued, but most of it's probably, it's good that, that we're thinking about those things. But many of us are wondering, does our faith have anything to say amidst the myriad of voices about food? And I, I, I think it does, and we'll, we'll definitely get to that. But there are, there's another person in this room. Another person who says, look, we could probably be discussing something more important at a faith and culture night like First Wednesdays. We could probably be discussing art or politics or something along those lines. Food is food. I eat what I like. That's it. And I just want to talk, to talk about the luxury we have to, to make statements like that. See, I think a lot of re- the reasons why we can be apathetic about food is because we are worn out with the sheer amount of food choices that we face on, a, on any one day. If you drive up rural, just a simple drive up rural, you're going to see, you're gonna see uh, McDonald's, Taco Bell, Jack in the Box, Wendy's, Whataburger, In-N-Out, and tons of other options. If you want to have some food from another country, you could do Jordanian, Mexican, Korean, Saudi Arabian, Somali. There's multiple. You could, you could go to Denny's and get whatever you want, and if that wasn't enough, you could get it smothered and covered in gravy. We have so many food choices. Even when our dogs 
go to the grocery store and see the aisle that's devoted to dog food, they are overwhelmed by the amount of food choices that we have. So, so some of us can be people who have put opinions about foreign policy in North Korea, but not really have thought about food. Or we could be like the, the number of people in the world today who've mastered the craft of photography, but have not really worked much on cooking. And so for, for those folks, I just want to bring us back to the basics and remind us some of the, of some of the basic reasons why this is an important topic. So first of all, why food is important to think about and reflect on. This first one is very important and complex. You should listen in closely. Ready? If you don't eat it, you will die. That's reason enough to, to make this an important topic. If you eat too much of it or the wrong stuff, you will die. So food can be a matter of life and death. It's, it's an important issue for us to talk about. Second of all, food is central to almost all of our social situations. Think of birthdays, weddings, funerals. A lot of times, if you remove food from one of these situations, it's just a bunch of people awkwardly standing around a room together, not knowing what to do. And even when food isn't present, it's fueling the most important things we do. The, the best conversation that you've ever had with your best friend. That time you went hiking and camping. That, that test that you studied for and you aced. All of that was fueled by the food that you ate. And, and also, I think that the Bible, or not the Bible, but the food explicitly teach, or implicitly teaches us many lessons about God and the world. For one, every time we sink our teeth into some piece of food, we are basically admitting that we are finite. That we ourselves are not God. That we can't sustain ourselves by ourselves. And that we are in need. It humbles us. But food also shows us the pattern of the gospel in that every single thing that you eat, something had to die. If you eat some chicken or, or a hamburger, an animal had to die. And you vegetarians are not off the hook because plants die. And they even grow in soil, which, which the rich soil is essentially only uh, decomposing uh, organic matter, stuff that was once living. And so every time we eat food, something else had to die, teaching us the pattern of the gospel and that our very life is sustained by the death of Jesus. And, but the Bible also has a lot of explicit things it says about food and how it references food. There's literally hundreds, maybe thousands of references uh, to food in the Bible. Genesis 1. We see that God created us as eaters. And a very important part of our humanity is that we eat. It was before the fall even began. And that God created food for us. Genesis 3, we see that food is a part of our rebellion from God. And it's central in, in our fall into sin with Adam and Eve. We also see that God shaped Israel through seven major feasts that they would go through every year. And a number of dietary laws. We also see in the Bible, there's a ton of imagery that the, that the Bible uses that connects uh, food and our experience with food with our relationship with God. 
See, we couldn't understand Psalm 34, 8 unless we had tasted some delicious food when it says, Oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. When you get to the life of Jesus, essentially the Gospels are a biography of Jesus having meals with people. Going around eating, oftentimes with people he shouldn't have been eating with, with the social standards of that day. Him providing food for the hungry. And even when he describes who he is and the nature of his salvation, in John 6, uh, 51, it says, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And then when Jesus, the night before he died, he gave us something to remember the gospel always as the church. And what did he give us? It wasn't a creed, but it was a meal. Where he took the bread and he said, this is my body broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And he took the cup and he said to drink this. To remember his covenant. The covenant of his blood that was poured out. And when the Bible depicts our future restoration. When God makes all things right. The language that it often uses is that of a feast. And finally, the Bible, if that wasn't clear enough that it's an important thing, the Bible explicitly calls us to glorify God with food. It says in 1 Corinthians 10.31, So whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. So when we're people who want to glorify God with, the, with our food choices. And we have a lot of food choices. We've got to think, what are we going to eat? Where are we going to eat? Who are we going to eat with? Why are we going to eat? Where are we going to get our food from? Is it going to be the, the, the local farmer here? Are we going to grow our stuff? Or would we rather have like a one-night stand mentality uh, with, with a farmer in a long-distant land where you don't even want to know their name and the nastiness that they're doing over there, right? Where, where does it come from? Well, I'm not going to answer those questions because I'm not the expert. We're going to throw some of those questions out at the panel. But I want to give us three ways, three attitudes, approaches that we could potentially have toward food. Two of them, not good. The other one, so good. And here are the three. We can have a, a prostituting, uh, a prostitute approach to food. We can have a Pharisee's approach to the food. Or we could feast with Jesus. Three ways. The irreligious, the religious, and the gospel-centered way. So let's start with the prostitute way. Just Jesus hung out with a lot of prostitutes. He invited them over to eat. He cared for them. But they were in trouble. Because they had taken this thing, this good thing like sex, and they had distorted it. And we can often do that with food. We take this good gift from God and we distort it. We, we don't put any boundaries on it. We eat as much as we want, whenever we want, not thinking about the long-term effects, not thinking about the ramifications on our neighbor, but just thinking about the pleasure of the moment or what is gained in the moment. This is a, this is a lack of thinking about food. And, and you know that prostitutes, if you've ever met a prostitute, they, they oftentimes don't want to be in the situation that they're in. And many of us, and myself included, feel almost captured to, in, 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 uh, to eat just junk. 
I'm telling you, some of my most intense times of prayer come when I'm driving past the Sonic, asking God to, to not let me pull in there and get a milkshake. And, and what's worse is I worked at Sonic when I was in high school, and I know the nastiness that goes on in there. We can also have a Pharisee's approach to food. We can be a, a food Pharisee. And a food Pharisee was, uh, a Pharisee was the religious and political leader of the day in Jesus' in Jesus's day, who knew what was right and wrong. But they made this list of rules, and they judged people based on it. They looked down on people based on these, this list of rules. They made themselves feel important based on their list of rules. And we can do that with food. We might be able to become experts on food. You might be the, the food bingo expert who can tell you, well, actually, that's not true. In this one uh, documentary, you know, you can, you can analyze them and you can break it down. And oftentimes, you have right information and you're eating good stuff, but for the wrong reasons. To make yourself feel important. To look down on others. And just, in the Pharisees, they would take their law and they would use it to try to save them. If they could just follow the law, they would be saved. And in the same way, some of us are making food a savior. We're terrified of dying. We're terrified of being sick. And so we desperately try to figure out exactly how much kale and garlic we need that will keep us alive for 180 years. So that's a Pharisee approach to food. But both of these are wrong. But what we get, but both people, the prostitute and the Pharisee, are welcomed at the table with Jesus. Jesus welcomes them to the table. He invites them to eat with him. And he, they come to the table because he is the, the bread that was broken on their behalf to give them a place at the table. And all of us, we can sit with Jesus and be transformed, have a new kingdom vision of food. And when we sit with Jesus, uh, we learn that the central aim of all things is to love God with all we have and to love our neighbor as ourself. And so we can apply this to food. We love God when we, by the way we steward our health, we eat healthy things out of the love of God. We eat with gratitude in our hearts and thankfulness because food is a gift, not a commodity. We, we, we care for the environment and the land in which food is produced out of a love for God. And we put boundaries on food and we step away at times to show that food is not God, but God is God. We can also love our neighbor through the way that we engage food. Jesus he has some bold, exclusive truth claims. But the most inclusive place in the world is at the table with Jesus. And we have 21 meals a week where we don't have to be narcissistically obsessed with, with just ourselves. But we can make the table a place of community, of hospitality, a place of love. Where we make something for someone else that tastes really good and is really healthy out of a desire to bless them. And so that when we do pray and ask God to bless our food, it's not kind of a joke. Like, I don't know if you've ever prayed that over like chili cheese fries. It's kind of weird. Like, God, please bless this food, please. <laughs> like, it'll really have to be a miracle. But <laughs> um, And we also love our neighbor when it comes to food by caring about the justice issues of those who produce the food. 
and, and by being healthy so that we can be a blessing to others. At the table with Jesus, we learn to celebrate, to feast, to eat healthy, and to take the health seriously, but also to smile, to celebrate, and do it with a light heart, knowing that our God has welcomed us at the table and we get to welcome others to the table. So now uh, I've run out of things I know how to say, so I'm going to bring the panel up here. So let's welcome them to the table. Just to give you a heads up, um, I intentionally decided tonight that we would do the talk first and then eat second. Um, because I think it's good for us to kind of feel some hunger so we can really appreciate what's out there. Um, you guys can figure out, you can land in either seat. They're not assigned. All right. Uh, what, what I first want to do is I just want to have you quickly each introduce yourself. Give us your name and then just tell us what you do. We'll start with you, Maureen. Sorry, caught you off guard. Hi, I'm Maureen Zimmerman. And I'm a registered dietitian nutritionist. Um, I teach over at Mesa Community College, uh, and I am the director of the Sustainable Food System program over there. Um, I also come to go to Redemption. Um, some of you may know me as Emma's mom. Mm-hmm. I'm Emma Zimmerman's mom, too, and Jeff's wife, and they run Hayden Flower Mill. So. That's great. Um, my name is David Trena. I'm a chef partner at Liberty Market. Um, so I work with food, and um, I attend the church here as well. So. My name is Caroline Van Slyke, and uh, my family and I go to Arcadia, uh, Redemption Arcadia. And um, we have a half-acre urban farm in Arcadia that um, we try to live sustainably on. And... Um, through that, I do relationships with other things in the community, food related to for the, seek their common good. Yeah, that's yeah. great. Well, I want to start with Maureen. I think um, um, if you could give us maybe your top two or three things that we that we should be thinking about as we think about nutrition. Well, this is what I tell my students and put on all my syllabi. <laughs> Enjoy a variety of real foods, enjoy it with others, and enjoy it in just the right amounts. And so um, I'll talk a little bit about each of those. So enjoy a variety of foods. Well, um, Jim mentioned in Genesis um, that God tells us about food. And um, he says, let the land produce vegetation, seed-bearing plants and trees on the land that bear fruit with seed in it according to their various kinds. And so it was, the land produced vegetation plants bearing seed according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. And uh, I'll give you one example of the uh, large variety of foods. Um, There's someone in Kazakhstan who keeps track of all the apples in the world. (laughs) And um, it was noted that there were were about 16,000 varieties of apples. So when God made apples, he made a lot of them. <laughs> and um, at the turn of the century, uh, they could only locate about 7,000 of those varieties. And now I believe there's about 169 that are on the Ark of Taste, which is the slow foods, 
basically list of extinctions. So um, the variety of fruits and vegetables and seeds that God has um, cre- that He created for us is diminishing, but there's still a lot of variety out there. So uh, enjoy um, a variety of real food, and then enjoy it with others. Um, Jim already alluded to how important it is for us to break bread together at the table. Um, and today, if you went to the grocery store, a lot of foods are actually designed so that you can hold them and drive. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so you don't need to eat with others. So um, eating with others is really an important part of our joy and happiness. And we know that it's an important part of Christian community. Mm. And, and by eat with others, do you mean the imaginary person that sits next to us in, in our car as we drive? No. I mean, you know, enjoy uh, meals, you know, reestablish the family meals, sit at the table, invite people over. There's a popular book now called Never Eat Alone. Well, I know the intention is to network, to get something from them, but never eat alone. Enjoy eating with others. Intentionally go out at work and find someone to eat with. Uh, bring, bring your lunch together and uh, eat together. And then enjoy it in just the right amount. This is the tricky part because there's a, we live in a toxic food environment and there's an abundance of food. Um, so, but our, our bodies know, um, and, and we've, we've got all the signals that tell us, you know, when to eat and when to stop. So eat just enough. <laughs> um, and so if you enjoy it in just the right amounts, you probably won't struggle, struggle with a lot of the health problems, weight problems, health problems. So that's great. Thank you. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to bring it to Caroline. Um, I'm going to do, um, so for, can you tell us what an urban farm is and what motivated you to do that? Sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, what an urban farm is, is where you grow food in an urban environment. Mm-hmm. So like a, in the city of Phoenix. Mm-hmm. And um, You can hold it a little closer. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> so that would be what it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So what does yours look like? Mine is a half acre mm-hmm. on an irrigated lot, so I really do feel like uh, we are reclaiming the land for its original purpose because mm-hmm. it was an orchard, and so we have grandfathered water rights, so we get um, every two weeks an hour and a half of flood irrigation, and so uh, I grow food with that water. Mm-hmm. Um, for us, we have 60-plus stone fruit trees. About 60? 60 plus more, probably. I'm kind of a fruit tree hoarder. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Nice. <laughs> I can always find a new place to stick a tree. Nice. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know. David doesn't think it's so nice. He's about ready to be done with it. You can always share with me. Okay, okay, okay. Well, Jim said it's good. Um, and I have uh, five citrus. I don't have a lot of citrus. It was originally citrus. Um, because I'm a Midwestern girl, I have um, an affinity for stone fruit trees. And um, now I have most of them planted because a part of my sustainability is uh, making the jams and jellies that I sell at the farmer's market at, like, mm. Sing Farms. And so um, that's part to help us support the food that we eat. Okay. So um, why would you spend all that time growing your own food versus going to the grocery store and getting the same stuff? Because it's better. How so? Well, I'm in control of my own soil. Mm. Um, I really try not to bring soil in. I'll bring compost in. 
but even the compost, I make my own compost, and that is what I use in my vegetable beds. The compost I bring in, which will either be from Sing Farms or Western Organics, I will use that to mulch my trees down mm -hmm. and my beds, not my food beds, my like potager, which would be like a French herb garden with flowers. I will do those, but um, where my vegetables are grown, I make that all that compost too because I have 17 chickens, two ducks, so I have a lot of poop. And a lot of poop. Poop. poop makes good compost. Yeah. Poop makes good compost. Yeah. Cool. Mm -hmm. So in other words, you like the, the, the food from your own yard and versus the store because of the poop. Well, yeah, because well, I can control my environment. I know exactly what's going into it. I, yeah. um, I only buy what you're talking about, heirloom seeds from like rare seeds. And so um, I grow heirloom varieties that haven't been hybridized. Yeah that um, are rare and they're falling away. And I do that same thing with my chickens, too. I, I get rare birds for that. You know, ones that can actually mate mm -hmm. and things. Yeah. 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 Because chickens should mate. She hooked you know? me up with about five chickens <laughs> last year, so mm -hmm. I can attest to that. It's good stuff. So, uh, so would, if you could tell, a lot of folks are thinking, well, that's easy for you to say because you can grow your own food and, and things like that. But I can't do that. That's, that's hard. You have to know a lot to do it. So if someone wanted to grow some of their own food, where would they start? It's actually very easy. I say to people, um, I didn't start this overnight. I've, I have always been a gardener, and um, it's been an evolution, you know, a growing, um, almost like a, I don't know, I feel like it's a calling for me. And... Um, I would start with a whiskey barrel, a wine barrel, a mm. small four-by-four bed mm. that you can buy untreated lumber at uh, Home Depot mm -hmm. and make a four-by-four four bed and dig up your own soil. Unless you use Orkin, then don't use that soil. I'd rather have you buy a bag of soil from somewhere else. Okay. Yeah. Because okay. you have to know your land, too, so we don't spray pesticides. And mm. since we've lived there for 15 years, too, it helps us to know what has happened to that soil because sure. there's issues with the soil sure. too. So. And, and I can attest as someone who's been trying to grow food for a while, I've developed a philosophy. You have to kill 100 plants before you actually know how to garden. So the first year, about 10% of the stuff I planted actually worked. And uh, then it got to be like 50%. And then we're, we're getting more in the 70% area. So it, you can learn, but you learn by killing stuff, basically. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so, I still kill things. Yeah, you'll I've never got stop. two trees I have to rip out that I yeah. planted that, that yeah. didn't um, leaf out. Mm -hmm. Okay. So. Uh, so David, let me, let's pass it on to you. Um, now, if someone wanted to learn... Now, you're a chef. Yes. And you're a really good chef at uh, Liberty. Thank you. Anyone else want to attest to that? Agree with that? Yeah. Um, if someone here wanted to learn how to cook and basically be as good as you, yeah. not go that far. If they want to learn how to go beyond grilled cheese, where would you start? What advice would you give them? Um, I would start with grilled cheese. Um, <laughs> I made a lot of grilled cheeses at home. Uh, I would start with... Just cooking things and, and just turning on the stove and getting some good ingredients, getting some simple ingredients. My, the way I cook is, I think it's simple. I'm not that complicated. Hmm. Um, if there's four uh, ingredients, that's the best for me. I don't, I don't do long recipes. So that's what I would start with is simple things, three ingredients. Uh, you can make pasta sauce with tomatoes, basil, and olive oil. There's your take-home, everyone. So, 
You know, that's what that's what I would say. All right, that's mm-hmm. that's good. Um, and uh, Maureen, a, a lot of folks. I think this has been the most prevalent question that I've heard. I, I hear a lot of people say, "I would, I would absolutely eat healthy if it didn't cost me like fifty thousand dollars every time I went to the grocery store." So, what? How would you respond to that? And respond with the mic close. Closer. Okay. Um, there's a lot of ways that you can eat healthy and, I guess, cheap, if you want to use that word. Um, um, first of all, you know, create a menu, uh, plan ahead, um, use more beans and legumes. Um, you can grow some of your own things in the whiskey barrel, the wine barrels. Um, you can grow some herbs and easy things to grow. The sun is free here in Arizona. Um, we have uh, lots of citrus here. Um, people leave bags of it. I see when I'm out running and walking. Um, people leave it at work. You know, take those bags. You know, um, juice it, freeze it. Um, use more beans, legumes, grains. You can buy in bulk. You can uh, um, be a part of a co-op. Um, and there's a number of those around um, where they deliver food to you, and so you can buy grains and things like that in bulk. You can buy in season. Um, and there has been good studies that show that people can get all the fruits and vegetables they need, even on, uh, you know, uh, the SNAP diet or the, the food stamp diet, so on those um, um, vouchers. So you can do it. Um, a lot of it mean, a lot of it will require you to invest more time, so to make a lot of your own food. Um, many of us, you know, come home after a hard day at work or um, maybe the kids have been at sports and we just want to take out food or, you know, quick buy a pizza or something. So think ahead, cook ahead, you know, store extra spaghetti sauce or soup in the freezer with a loaf of bread, um, things like that. It just takes a little more planning, a little more time, but it is possible to, to do that. Um, I have a whole list of probably about 50 things. <laughs> I can't think of them all off the top of my head, but if anyone wants them, you can email me and I'll send them to you. Great, great. Okay. So, so in other words, you can make up for a lack of money by put, investing some time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's great. Yeah, it's much uh, less expensive to make your own bread, your own pizza dough, things like that, um, than to buy them. And then, according to David, just takes three ingredients, yeah, you just whip it together, yeah. piece of cake, or right? Just eat out. Or just eat out all the time, is what he said. <laughs> no. uh, so, at Liberty Market, not at, not at other places. So, um, David, I wanted to ask you a question. Sure. Uh, you're, a, you're an owner of a restaurant. And as I talk with people in the, the, the restaurant business, um, sadly, they can oftentimes talk about how Christians don't really exemplify uh, the love of Christ in those scenarios. Can you give us some insights about how to be a good uh, customer that looks like Jesus when you're at a restaurant? Um, I would have to say, too, as an owner, as a Christian, I have to make sure I'm a, also a good Christian owner of a restaurant. So I know there's times I've probably... Not displayed the best, but um, the one thing I would say in that is the worst thing is when, um, and I've experienced it, something happens and then you see the table like bow their heads and pray. Um, that's one thing that is, that's always been rather ironic to me. Um, I just think, you know, treat people how you would want to be treated. The restaurant business is just that. We expect it. We get critiqued a lot. So, But that would be the big thing that I would say is that you know, it, it is food, and we mess up on food, so, you know, we want to make it good for you, and uh, so just, you know, do unto others as you'd like done unto you is a, a great golden rule in the restaurant business, too. 
Is is that a legitimate stereotype, uh, or is it? Oh yeah, it's yeah. pretty. It's pretty. Uh, it's pretty legitimate. So you yeah. know, just <laughs> skip praying at restaurants. <laughs> yeah, you know, skip you're... praying. <laughs> you can skip praying, or we can be the type of people who are the best tippers around. Yeah, that's true. Who treat our our, our servers um, as if they're people. That'd be pretty sweet. You can sometimes uh, spot a pastor. They have an iPad oh. and a little bit of water and a coffee that is, like, just getting lower all the time. So That's about right. Yeah. Uh, cool. So, um, Caroline. Sorry, Jim. No, no, that's fine. That's fine. Um, so order something. <laughs> so uh, this is off the... I'm going off the, the list okay. here. Um, what do you learn about God mm-hmm. in the garden? Actually, I think for me, the part of what's happened in our, our yard, so to speak, which is now a farm with animals and all these things, has come out of suffering in my own life. Mm-hmm. It's been... Um, it's been, I think, like a therapeutic thing for me to work the soil. I feel like we are made to work the soil. I was created to do this, but not just me. I feel like in a, in a, a special way, not like special, but like that's like a vocation for me. Mm. But I think everyone, because we're made in the image of God, mm. that we are made to work the soil. Because mm. Adam and Eve worked the soil before the fall. Mm. You know, they had work to do. They planted yeah. And so um, that, I think, um, we're just made for that. There's something in our, in our hearts that just long for that. And I think the other thing that, I've, that I learn is that um, it's a really good way, because all people are made in the image of God, whether they, um, you know, love Jesus or not. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a really uh, a great place to meet people mm-hmm. in that place. Of growing and gardening, because I think they feel in their hearts that they were created to do this too. That's Does good. that make sense? Yeah, okay. definitely. And uh, Maureen, uh, we're going to probably we're going to finish with you here on this question. Um, there's a lot of popular fads and diets and things like the all cayenne pepper and Cheerios and grapefruit juice diet and those sorts of things. Uh, and and uh, can you give us some some ways that we can sort of spot sort of dangerous fads, uh, things that we shouldn't get involved in uh, with food? I think there's a, the last time I read this, um, there were like 40,000 different diets on record, weight Whoa. loss diets. So, wow. um, yeah, every possible combination, I think, has been thought of. And then the next year, there's another 100 books. So um, The Jim Mullins diet coming out <laughs> next year, just so you know. My husband always wanted me to create one, but I said it, I, it would be unethical. Probably, <laughs> saw it as a dietitian, but I, I thought of many of them too. Um, but I, the the message that registered dietitian nutritionists give is pretty boring um, about what kind of a diet really works, and and it's based really on how I think God designed the body. Um, you need a diet that's just it's adequate. It's got a variety, and um, you eat in moderation. 
Um, you should, it should be calorie controlled and balanced and sustainable. And so if, you, if someone tells you about the latest great diet that's like a cookie diet or the grapefruit diet, can you sustain on it? Does it meet those criteria? Um, the way the human body works and more and more um, we're learning you know, every year there's a new hormone or some new bacteria in the gut that's discovered that enables us to understand a little bit more. The body was designed for life and, and there are all kinds of protective mechanisms in there that um, keep you alive. <laughs> and so um, when you go on one of these crazy diets where you reduce the calories, you know, the body fights and does everything it can to keep you alive. And so you actually are counterproductive oftentimes, especially if you go, low, go below a certain amount of calories. So um, the best thing is just that boring old diet that stood the test of time, you know, adequacy, balance, calorie control, variety, moderation. Great, so. great. And uh, I'm going to just do two quick things with both of you. Uh, books that you would recommend about nutrition, and then we'll pass it to David, and one or two cookbooks that people can can look into. So you go first. Uh, it depends on what you want to know about it. Um, if you look on Amazon, you'll see thousands of books. I, I brought just a few of them that um, I have on my shelves. I, I do a, a project with my students where I have a hundred different of the popular books that's out, uh, that are out right now, and they do they each read one and, and do a little um, synopsis on it at the end of the semester. So there's so many different books, depending on what you want to know. Um, you can buy my textbook, but uh, no, I'm not going to tell you. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, let's see. Making it depends. <laughs> really depends on what, what you want to know. If you want just some basic nutrition, uh, I would recommend some type of a textbook, or there's some other um, popular and kind of books. She has so. some books down here. Yeah. And then we could maybe get a bibliography from you or something. That yeah, I'll, I'll leave some cards there. If anyone has an interest, you can email me, and I can send you some recommendations. All right. David, you get the last recommendation. Um, there's a book called Milk. That's great. And then I think Ad Hoc at Home is a great book for uh, anybody doing things at home. All right. Great. Well, let's give them a hand and thank them for being here. Um, basically, wh where we're going now is um, I want to kind of give some directions with this. Uh, they're going to be around. You guys can stay up here. It's all right. Um, they're going to be around if you want to ask questions. Um, if a few sort of next steps, when we go out there, there's going to be a farmer's market, a small little farmer's market. One thing I really want to highlight is the, the IRC. It's a, it's a group of refugee farmers. There's a group of refugee farmers there with a program called New Roots. They're going to be selling fruits and vegetables there. But you can also uh, be a part of a CSA, which stands for Community Supported Agriculture. Very simply, it just means you pay $25 a week, and they give you a bunch of really good fruits and vegetables. It supports those farmers. It saves a trip to the store. And they said if we get 15 people from Redemption Tempe, they'll make this a drop-off point. So go talk to them and put, put your name down. Also, if you want some more specifics on nutrition, especially as a parent, uh, next week at 6.30 on Wednesday... Ryan Arneson and mainly uh, Caitlin Anderson are going to be teaching a class on nutrition uh, for parents. Um, and, then, and then third and finally, if you want to know how to plant some stuff and, and garden, come find me. We'll talk about it. I'll tell you how to kill some plants. 